Good evening and welcome to Triggered. Thank you again for joining us for all of the support. Thank you so much, most importantly, for sharing uh, this kind of content with your friends because honestly, let's, let's not kid ourselves, folks. The mainstream media, big tech, they ain't exactly gonna help us get this message out there. So we're gonna do it the old fashioned way, uh, the Trump way, we're gonna do it organic. So uh, just thank you for all of that. You know, get it out to your friends because that's again how we're gonna win and fight back against the insanity that we see each and every day. Just ahead, we got an incredible interview with retired Army general, author, former head of the 82nd Airborne, 101st Airborne, 10th Mountain Division, uh, and senior Trump Defense Department official, uh, Anthony Tata. Uh, great guy, one of the few guys sort of fighting against the bureaucracy in the DOD. You know, watch, you know, they tried canceling him and they wouldn't confirm him. And, you know, again, if you want to do what the duly elected president of the United States wants to do, but that is contrary to the Washington, D.C. unelected bureaucrat narrative. They're going to make life hell on you. But we'll talk about that in great detail with a great American. Uh, but before that, I want to wish you all an incredible Easter. Uh, I, I gave this to my team last second <laughs> before we went live, so I don't know if they'll be able to incorporate some of the pictures, uh, but... You know, got to spend time with my my amazing children and Kim and Ronan, uh, and we just had an absolute uh, blast. Uh, that's uh, what it's all about. So for those of you, we'll talk a little bit about the attack on a, uh, you know, all things good and American uh, at the end of this rundown. But uh, I hope that you guys had an incredible Easter. I hope that you got to celebrate uh, the holiest of holidays with your families that you got to do that uh, in just the way it's meant to be. So uh, we had an amazing time. We had a blast. Uh, Spencer seems to be, uh, my, my little guy Spencer, he's the one that jumped on with me uh, a couple of weeks ago because he wanted to say hi to everyone. <laughs> uh, he seems to have the magic touch for finding the golden egg. I think in his 10 years of life, I think he's found seven of them. Uh, and he managed to pull off uh, another one of those victories again, which... Uh, creates a total disaster in our household, right? Because they're all rather competitive. Let's just say the Trump genes run strong. So <laughs> it ends up being a bit of a disaster, uh, but it works out well. So Easter was incredible, but uh, me and my little man, Donnie, were tired because we went to the UFC down in Miami on Saturday night to see uh, my really good friend, uh, just all around badass, Jorge Masvidal uh, fight uh, at, at the event down there in Miami. Unfortunately, he didn't pull it off, but man, showed a lot of heart uh, for a fighter, you know, late 30s, uh, probably his last fight, but someone who's gone so far out of his way to be supportive of us, uh, the America First movement. Uh, he tells, I'll have him on the podcast soon. I think I got to do that because just the story of his father and how he literally escaped Cuba from a raft and how he doesn't want to bring that shit here. Uh, is absolutely uh, incredible. So it, it was just awesome. So I went down there with my father, UFC 287, I think it was. Um, just an amazing night in Miami. Just electric. The MAGA movement is alive and well. The reception we received was insane. Dana, Dana White, right, who's done this 
well, at least 287 times, said it was the most incredible uh, cheer uh, of someone walking into the arena in his history of doing it. So here's a clip of him walking out, the big guy, my big guy, your favorite president, walking out with Kid Rock and Dana White to the tune of American Badass. Check it out for yourselves. I mean, the crowd was showing love the entire night. Uh, DJT had to get up in between rounds of fights because they just started chanting, you know, the MAGA chants in USA. And uh, it was just awesome. Watch for yourself. Some of the most fun was actually, you know, backstage uh, hanging out with uh, Mike Tyson, telling some of those stories uh, with him and his family and his wife, but telling the stories about uh, the good old days back in Atlantic City and the fights with DJT, uh, not fights, meaning boxing matches, not fights with. He actually said, you know, DJT was the only guy that ever gave him uh, good advice. He didn't always take it and probably regrets that. Actually said he would come on the podcast right here live. So uh, I think you guys will appreciate that. But uh, great fighters, even Jorge came backstage that way. Uh, you had uh, Theo Vaughn hanging out with DJT. So that's a podcast maybe we have to make happen as, as well. Even if it's against my interest, uh, I, I may have to see that conversation take place. Uh, UFC, uh, I guess he's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Cowboy Cerrone definitely wins uh, best t-shirt game. Because he showed up to the UFC in Miami with a Trump shirt on. Uh, absolutely awesome. Uh, you know, Kid Rock, my buddy Bob, obviously just a uh, great dude, great American. Uh, and so hanging out backstage uh, with those guys and my son who really loved hanging out with, you know, Kyle uh, and Steve will do it from Nelk. Uh, you know, those guys just kicking ass and everything that they're doing and just, uh, you know, Maybe a little less political, but you can see, uh, you know, where they lean, just having a conversation about sanity. So it was just an insanely awesome evening. Uh, we got home at about three o'clock in the morning, so a little bit exhausted, uh, a little bit exhausted uh, for Easter. Uh, but, you know, just even the posts and the pictures I was just taking, just being you know, a fly on the wall. Uh, just amazing and went viral as heck. Like the one, you know, literally it's Dana, DJT, Kid Rock, and Mike Tyson, like calling the fights. I mean, doesn't get sort of cooler than that. Uh, and again, it was just awesome to be in that crowd. I mean, even when I walked in, I got a bit of an ovation myself, which was kind of cool and surprising. Uh, but, you know, obviously alive and well and, you know, what was formerly, you know, quite blue Miami. So that's the good news. 
but we have some more. The Texas governor, Greg Abbott, said he's working on a pardon for Army sergeant convicted of murder during the 2020 BLM violence. Many on the left called it the summer of love, but Daniel Perry was recently convicted of murder for shooting and killing a BLM demonstrator named Garrett Foster during the violent, vicious, murderous, looting mayhem of the 2020 Summer of Love riots. Perry was working as an Uber driver on July 25th, 2020, when he encountered a large BLM riot in downtown Austin. He told police that a group of protesters encircled his vehicle and that Foster raised an AK-47 at him, prompting him to open fire with a handgun in self-defense. Now, this case is an obvious case of self-defense. We saw with our own eyes exactly what the Summer of Love riots were all about. This shouldn't surprise anyone. But, but, in these days, unfortunately, there's always a but. There's always a but to logic and reason and decency because we live in a sane world and Austin has a left-wing George Soros-backed radical prosecutor named Jose Garza. The prosecutor is being accused by the lead detective of the case of withholding exculpatory evidence from the grand jury. A grand jury that voted to convict, okay? The prosecutor is withholding exculpatory evidence. Think about that. I wonder where else that's probably happening. I wonder what other Soros-funded district attorney is doing that. You think there's anything out there like that, guys? Well, Detective David Fugit said in court that there was no evidence, no evidence that Perry accelerated into the crowd and that Garrett Foster's gunshot wounds indicate that he was in a tactical stance when he approached Perry's door. It does not get more clean cut than that, but it doesn't matter because the George Soros radical leftists want to destroy our country. They want to destroy anything that is good and decent left in America. The left is doing a wonderful job of that as evidenced by literally all of the news about the trans terrorism going on these days. But it doesn't matter, folks. They keep getting elected because they have endless cash funded by a radical billionaire who wants to destroy everything we know and love about our country. And they're doing it. Look at all the cities. This is just another example. But thank God Texas Governor Greg Abbott said that he's working on a pardon. He said, and I quote, Texas has one of the strongest stand-your-ground laws of self-defense that cannot be nullified by a jury or a progressive district attorney. I look forward to approving the board's pardon recommendation as it hits my desk. Guys, the real problem is that at least we have a conservative governor in the state of Texas. But you don't have that everywhere else. You have radical leftists. That's the reality. While there may be moderate Democrats left in the country, I know plenty of them. I know plenty of them. There's no one that represents them because they can't win without the Soros money. And it's not just Soros, guys. There's dozens of those billionaires 
right? They used to talk about Sheldon Adelson, the one Republican billionaire that actually funded some of these things. And they could say the most vicious things about him. They could call him any name. He happens to be Jewish like George Soros. Now, if you say anything about George Soros, though, it's magically anti-Semitic. Now, his history could call into some of those things into question regardless, but it still doesn't matter. People are being shamed and canceled, and they're afraid to call out George Soros for the radical scumbag he is. If you look at the things he's done, the people he's helped get elected, and then you look at what happens in those areas, there's literally no one that can tell you it's for the good of the nation or for the good of anything, moral, just, or decent. But it doesn't matter because that's what we're up, we're up against. Big tech will have their full backing. And again, they'll call anyone who questions him an anti-Semite. Even if you're talking about crime and re- electing radical lunatics, doesn't matter. Anti-Semite, right? It's like racism, the easy button of the political left these days. Doesn't matter. Doesn't have to be about race. You can be talking about anything. No one wants to be called a racist because it's the worst thing in the world, but they do it day in and day out. And unfortunately, they've overblown it so far that now people hear it. Eh, Here we go again. Just another person being called a racist. And what they do is they do a major disservice to those people who are actually affected by it. It is a real thing. It's just not the cause of or solution for all of the world's problems. Okay, it's a tiny thing in America in 2023, but they'd have you believe that it's the biggest thing in the world. Uh, Just like uh, somehow white supremacy is the nation's largest threat, though no one really can name one or has ever seen more than one or two idiots uh, running around doing those things. But it doesn't matter because we're led by fools. We're led by lunatics, and they have the full weight and backing of big tech, the mainstream media, billionaires like Soros, and dozens more behind him. And that's the battle we're in. So speaking of idiots, Joe Biden at the White House egg roll mumbles through the question about if he's running for election, because of course he can't get that right. He basically botched his announcement uh, and... In lighter and still very sad news, Biden was asked by Al Roker if he's running for re-election. This is the guy that won 81 million votes, America. You must believe that. He's so competent and so good. So many people got around him because he was the guy that was going to stop World War III, magically. Although that doesn't look like it's working out too well. He was the guy that was going to work for the middle class. That's worked really poorly. He was the guy that was going to fight for your economy and your 401k and all the other things that he was going to magically fix. Look at how he responded. So th- this is a fantastic event, one of my favorites of the year. I was just wondering, uh, uh, Mr. President, uh, will you be uh, taking part in the Easter egg rolls uh, after planning on after 2024? Well, I plan on <laughs> at least three or four more Easter egg rolls. At least three or four more? Maybe, maybe, maybe five. Maybe five. <laughs> maybe maybe so, six. So what the hell? Are you, are you saying that, uh, that you would be... Uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024. Well, I'll either be rolling egg or you know being the the good you know the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, help a bro- help a brother out. Make no, some news no, for no, me. No, here. I, well, I, I plan on running now, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. All right. Well, I th- so nice. I, I, thank you for having well, us good, up here. Good to be here. Thank you, Doctor yeah, Biden. Fun. Yes, this guy is a mumbling moron. He should be in a nursing home. Not the White House. 
Most agree, by the way. CNN, of all places, found that just one-third of Americans think that he deserves to be reelected. And I'm amazed that even one-third, I mean, you can be a radical Democrat and still realize that this guy is an imbecile, but he's effective for what the radical left wants to do because he'll do, sign, and say anything. And that leads us to another big story that deserves much more attention. Walter Reed Medical Center terminates Catholic pastoral care contract right before the Holy Week of Easter, the holiest week in the Christian calendar. And the Biden administration sent a cease and desist order right before the Holy Week that directed Catholic priests to cease any religious services at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, this looks like an attack on the First Amendment's free exercise of religion, obviously. It comes at the same time as the DOD and Pentagon doctors are claiming that seven-year-olds are capable of deciding whether they can get so-called puberty blockers. No wonder the military is struggling to recruit anyone. No wonder they're falling so short, right? A big part of patriotism is actually, actually believing the stuff that your country stands for. And these days it stands for puberty blockers for minors, for allowing children to mutilate their bodies, for not wanting parents to have any say in the matter. That's where we stand. Under Biden, the Pentagon resembles a typical leftist lunatic organization. The attack on your religion is real. It's palpable. You don't think they didn't know it was Easter? They don't care. You don't think that Christians make up probably the majority of the United States military since they make up a majority of our population? They don't care. If you're in Walter Reed, Suffering for serving your country. You can't have Catholic services during Easter. God forbid, we want a trans person to, I don't know, talk to you about something is probably where they're going with it because that's where they're going with everything else. It's insane and it's a tax. Okay, guys, don't forget if they can do these things and the Media is silent and big tech is silent and we're silent. They will continue to get away with it. They will undermine our country. They will undermine our Judeo-Christian roots. They will undermine everything that we stand for. And to do this for people who are suffering at Walter Reed right now, the week before Easter, shows that they do not give a shit. So... We'll talk a lot about this uh, with Anthony Tata here in a couple seconds. So, guys, thank you for that. And uh, let's get to the interview. Well, guys, before we get to retired Brigadier General Anthony Tata, we got to thank our sponsors. And now, more than ever, it's time to support the companies who support you. It's why I want to tell you about Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. 
I hope you guys all had a great Easter, by the way. <laughs> Want to make sure that everyone enjoyed that. Uh, and Patriot Mobile would actually let you say that, unlike so many other woke companies where that would somehow be misconstrued as uh, racist or something else, because you never know what's going on with these lunatics these days. But with Patriot Mobile, you put America first with every call while getting the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers. Not only does Patriot Mobile provide you dependable wireless service at an affordable price, they also share your values and they actually support you. Just so we understand, folks, I get it. Everyone is going to have a cell phone, right? They're going to have some sort of wireless plan. Patriot Mobile puts their dollars into action, donating a portion of every dollar earned to support groups that fight for the First Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, the sanctity of life, and protecting our brave police and first responders. So if you're going to give your money to someone in the cell phone category, it might as well be someone who believes what you believe and is willing to put their money to back those things. So support companies who support you. Vote with your dollars and vote to support Patriot Mobile. For free activation, go to patriotmobile.com slash Don Jr. Again, you get free activation, patriotmobile.com slash D-O-N-J-R. Uh, check them out. And again, uh, we can keep giving money to the woke companies that have literally tried to cancel conservative programming like Newsmax and OAN, like uh, the parent company uh, of AT&T, or you can give your money to Patriot Mobile to support the causes that you believe in. I also want to make sure you check out GoldCo. Gold and silver can protect your retirement savings from inflation and dollar devaluation. Guys, we're seeing the warning signs. We're seeing what I saw in 2008. We're about to hit a wall at a thousand miles per hour and I want you to be prepared. You're watching banks collapse. You're watching insanity as they try to force ESG on your retirement savings and that portfolio. So owning tangible, physical, and inflation hedging gold and silver can help diversify your portfolio and protect you from the insanity. Go and check out Gold Co. by going to donjuniorgold.com. That's D-O-N-J-R gold.com. It's really easy. If they're willing to support this show, <laughs> they got some guts, obviously, but they also must share our values. So go check them out. Don't trust the lunatics with your retirement and your savings. Go to donjuniorgold.com to learn more. And with that... I want to bring in Anthony Tata, Brigadier General, United States Army, retired. That's right. Uh, retired. Uh, but you were there uh, during the, the Trump years, Anthony. You were there uh, during some of the lunacy. You were actually outspoken early. And it's sort of amazing watching what's going on in, like, woke military. Oh. Right? The, the, it's, it's sad. You know, I, you were like an actual operator for also, not just like, right. not, not just a bureaucrat, right? So you understand both of those worlds, right? You worked right. in the administration, but you did real stuff on the ground. When I talk to, you know, I was a competitive shooter and did all, it's just sort of, right. there's a lot of overlap with a sure. lot of those guys. And so I talk with, you know, other operators, you know, right. teams guys, uh, special forces guys. And these are people where the military, it runs in their blood. Uh, not only would they bleed for our country, but th their generations of them did. Right. 
I speak to them now and they're like, I wouldn't even think about letting my kids go to the military. Like, it's not even like, well, I'll leave it up to them. They're like, no way. What's going on? It's, it's crazy, Don. Uh, what, what's happening is uh, this administration and the progressive left don't love this country yeah. the way that that's clear by the way right. like you, you right. <laughs> that that's not a political thing like there's no objective way to look at it differently right and and that's what um, all these subdivisions uh, break uh, dividing and conquering is what they're doing they're they're categorizing people you're you're some kind of phobe if you're a conservative and you're some kind of hero if you're on the progressive left side and so what parents are are watching this and and seeing that uh, the military is, is very, DOD is very political, and they don't want their kids involved in that. They see an administration that's uh, sharpening the knives to go, go to war somewhere. Yeah. Uh, your father, the president, was uh, all, all about disengaging from foreign entanglements. As George Washington said, we should not be in foreign entanglements. Yeah. Disengaging from, from that while using the other levers of national power, economy, information, diplomacy, which none of that is happening now under this administration, to, to shape and influence events. Uh, uh, events. And China, uh, the, the tariffs, a perfect example. Leveraging the United States economic power to achieve a diplomatic and and military outcome by achieving deterrence against China. Yeah. That finesse is gone now. Well, not only not only is it gone, it almost feels like it's the opposite, right? We you know, we're pushing trans stuff in the military and right. you know, we have the cast of Ted Lasso over at the White House simultaneously, you know, Putin is meeting with Xi. Right. The Saudis are meeting with China to eliminate the petrodollar. Now, I mean, I think our viewers understand what that means. If we can't borrow because we have essentially, you know, uh, a, a fictitious gold standard, right. you know, backed by oil in the ground, uh, maybe it's a good thing because maybe it would, we, we wouldn't be able to afford to fund the insanity, right. uh, you know, that our government funds. You know, here's a billion dollars for the, you know, trans education in Pakistan. I'm sure that money's going to good use, right? It's being stolen and, right, like, right, you know, right. let's yeah, just say- ISI let's just say, is using yeah, that money They right don't now. think uh, that's a serious <laughs> issue. Like, right. literally no one does, but they're right. happy to take our money if we're foolish enough right. to give it to them. But, you know, how, how has that happened? What's the, what's the end game? I mean, it doesn't, it's obviously stupid, but it, it does feel like it's there for a purpose and they're, they're literally changing all of this. I think it's to undermine uh, society. It's it's to, you know, remember Barack Obama promised fundamental change to this country. You've still got all the Barack Obama people, Susan yeah. Rice, etc., mm -hmm. running this. They they are trying to make sure people like your father, your father himself, never get elected again because he is the biggest threat to this crazy agenda that's out there that is fundamentally attempting to change this country. And so what you see is. Uh, using our institutions, weaponizing our institutions to be levered against, uh, you know, great Americans, hardworking Americans, the middle class, 87,000 IRS agents. It's all intended to intimidate and control the population. It is fascist. It is dictatorial. And that's what the Joe Biden regime is all about. Yeah, and I think that many people make the mistake. They look at Joe and they see, you know, a bumbling idiot, you know, on TV, someone who can't get through a sentence or walk up a flight of stairs. And yet, uh, you know, I, I've sort of had this conversation with a bunch of people. It, he's actually been very effective. 
for yeah. the radical nature of what they're doing. Meaning, I think it's still Obama and Susan Rice in charge. They just weren't willing to tarnish their legacies, mm -hmm. like, saying this shit. You know, they, they wouldn't, you know, like, all right, maybe we want that, but I'm not willing to sign the paper and risk my reputation or, you know, uh, my ability to profiteer off of it. Whereas Joe Biden's just, you know, he'll sign anything you put it. He's like Ron Burgundy. You know, you put it on the teleprompter, he'll say it. Like, or, well, he'll try to say it on the teleprompter, but if you put it in front of the sign, you know, I'm sure with a crayon, he can get through his signature still. And so I, I actually think he's been more effective mm -hmm. at implementing the stuff that the radical left wants than Obama ever was because they don't care about his legacy. That, that and he's, he's effective at doing what he's told to do. And, yeah, and that's, he, well, that's all it is, right? He, I mean, like, no one thinks he's coming up with policy right. on his own. Like, right, right. Like, it's, yeah. it's pretty clear he, he can't come up with much. Um, and yet, it's effective for that cause. Yeah, ab absolutely. I, I had that thought driving over here that uh, uh, Biden is actually a very effective president for the progressive left. And he ran as a moderate. And now what he what he's doing is executing the New Green Deal, the progressive left, everything. The, you know, the school shooting in, in Nashville, um, you know, I, I haven't been a superintendent of one of the largest school systems in the country in Wake County. You know, that was a big concern of mine. Every single mm -hmm. day, you got 150,000 students, are, are they all okay? Uh, that the fact that they talk about, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the issue of trans rights and all that, instead of talking about Christianity or the school or the victims. Well, or that they and, won't even acknowledge it's a terrorist attack, right? right I mean, right, for right, if, if it right. was a guy like you or me in a MAGA hat, right. I mean, they would jump to those conclusions really quickly. Yeah, yeah really quickly. You know, so, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one. I mean, you, you've you led you know, the 82nd Airborne, uh, you know, the 101st uh, Airborne, the 10th Mountain Division. Right. You've also run school districts. Right. Uh, you know, I have five kids myself. You've led men in combat. You've managed it, large school districts. Right. How do we prevent this stuff from happening? Because it feels so obvious to me, and yet the bureaucrats won't allow it to happen. Yeah, so, you know, I had 150,000 students, 170 schools, 170 different entities that needed to be protected. I had a security team, and I, and I leveraged my experience to be proactive, to be in the community. And, and we, we partnered with, there were 12 different municipalities, Raleigh, Wake Forest, uh, Holly Springs, others, uh, and all of their police departments provided uh, school resource officers is what they were called, but they were cops with guns yeah. at the school. And, and, and well, they had uh, tasers. And, and they were very effective. And, and it's all about uh, a good intelligence work is understanding your population. And we would have meetings and they would brief me. Ah, we think we're a little worried about this. And we, we rehearsed school lockdown drills. And God forbid nothing happened in my, my time as superintendent there. Okay, so it, it seems like the, uh, the solution is a relatively obvious one with some basic training, working with those institutions that, you know, the same mm -hmm. ones that the teachers union want to defund and all that nonsense. I mean, but look, what, what, what could you, what did that cost you? I mean, that's one of the largest school districts in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. how, how much of the state did that comprise? Uh, it, it was peanuts relative to my $1.25 billion budget. It was, it was, it was uh, I could have done more. Yeah, and, so, so you're thinking, for the $130 billion we yeah. have spent, and you know, by the way, that's just the beginning, right? right, that, right, right. As you understand, yeah. like that's just the beginning because, you know, Big War has been looking at, you know, Big Pharma for the last couple of years and saying, right. it's our turn now, guys. Right, right, you right. Know, we haven't been in war in like a year. Let's let's get going. All right. But you, you think for, 
for a, a tiny fraction of that $130 billion, we could implement this across the across country. Across the country, at every public school, every private school, every charter school, and that we could figure out uh, some scenario uh, where the funding, uh, it, it, would, it, would, it would be a, a net zero almost, where you could apply those funds, you could find them somewhere else. There's so much waste in school systems and education systems, uh, particularly with the, you know, all this uh, DEI training and all yeah. this stuff you got to do. You could just repurpose that money. Yeah. yeah, by the way, take that training, which serves right. literally zero purpose whatsoever, right. you right. know, other than maybe, again, for the woke agenda, but doesn't actually teach our Like, I wish they teach math in school these days. Right. Because it feels like, you know, that's not of a concern. Right. Right. And that's, I'm not saying because someone will criticize me, say, oh, they're still teaching math. No, but our kids are failing at it. Right. You know, we spend right. more per capita than any nation in the world, and we're like 28, you know, in the rankings. We right. have right. schools that the entire graduating class isn't proficient in reading. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, they're teaching, but, like, give me a break. Well, school choice is such a big deal now, yeah. and uh, for parents and for legislatures and governors to be sure that they, they provide parents as much opportunity as possible for their precious cargo, their children. You have five children. Uh, you know, I have two. And, I mean, nothing is more important than your children, their education, their livelihood, their potential. And, and, and so uh, why not put some money towards securing our children, uh, you know, a little bit more? And, and you could take a fraction of what we're given to Ukraine and apply it across the country, and, and the problem would, would, you'll never eliminate any and all threats, but it would be greatly diminished. So talk, I mean, talk a little bit about Ukraine. Obviously, there's a huge money spend to protect a border that's not our own. We're, not, we're unwilling to protect our own, it seems. Um, or it is, that's just fact at this point. Um, you know, what do you see going on there? And you know, when you talk about the rise of China the threat there, our other allies around the world, whether they be Taiwan or others, how how can we be fighting a proxy war, mm -hmm. which is all it's been, right? I mean, we're, right. we're we're de facto. I guess there's people in there still have sort of the 1980 mentality of we got to take on Russia now, you know, even if we won uh, economically mm -hmm. uh, in the early 90s. How do we? I mean, can we fight a two front war right now? You've led some of the most elite units yeah. in our army, and it feels like. So much of what my father spent trying to build up, you know, build up the military, you know, right. get them the best equipment, right. you know, get them replenished uh, rather than sort of, you know, fighting an archaic war in an archaic way. Get that, but like, are those resources so diminished that we'd, we'd actually be able to fight a war at this point? Well, the resources are finite, Don, because we can't even meet our recruiting goals under this administration. <laughs> and, and, and then when you talk about providing, uh, Patriot missile systems, uh, M1 Abrams tanks, and some of our more sophisticated weaponry to Ukraine. Um, and then if the balloon goes up in Taiwan, uh, you know, we've got a real issue on our hands. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, you know, I managed as the undersecretary the national defense strategy, which talked about China, Russia as our primary threats, uh, Iran, North Korea as the secondary threats. And, and what this administration has done is managed to create a very solid alliance between our four major competitors. It's mind-boggling. It's actually. either intentional or utter incompetence. but Maybe a combination of both. It, right. And, and you have to go back to this botched withdrawal from Afghanistan to understand what's happening in Ukraine. Because it, when, so, uh, and, and I'm furious about uh, Kirby releasing this, this report 
uh, that was watered down anyway yesterday into the maw of a no news cycle four day we, uh, the the biggest insult uh, the second biggest and the biggest insult to every veteran from Afghanistan was what happened on the withdrawal the second biggest insult in the final nail in that coffin is uh, releasing this thing into the four-day weekend so uh, yeah get into the details of that for our viewers because again you know, people wanted to be with their families over Easter. They were, and so I'm sure it was intentionally. You know, every time there's incompetence, they release it on a Friday evening on a well, holiday yeah, weekend. Right. So no one's, so they, they no one's at, you know, oh, we released it. We're being really forthcoming. You know, they'll make sure that their lackeys in the media don't cover any of the incompetence. I'm sure it'll be whitewashed already. Uh, so whatever whatever yeah. incompetence is highlighted, you'll you'll assume it's 20x. But but the underlying point, Don, is that. Um, that when that was happening, I, I was the deputy commanding general of all the troops in Afghanistan, 0607, and I had 25,000 troops that I was responsible. We lost 87 of those troops in combat, uh, maimed, you know, many others were maimed by IEDs and, and mm -hmm. firefights. I had several calling me saying, sir, was it, they were emotionally broken. The veteran, the generation of veterans that went through Afghanistan are emotionally uh, traumatized by what happened then. And now it's almost, because there's been no accountability, there's been no vetting, there's been no airing of really what went wrong, there's been no attempt to learn how not to repeat that in mm -hmm. the future. They slide this thing, it's almost like it's an intentional, you know, blank you to, to veterans in the veteran community that's already fractured. Um, and they just slide this thing out there. And so now over, over Easter, the most holy of weekends, there you know the veteran community has to has to wrestle with this concept that their service, according to this administration, was meaningless. So, so what exactly does it? I mean, what does it say specifically that that we wouldn't, you know, what what what's the breaking news in that for those who again missed it? Well, the breaking news were, is they that they, they blame your father, but you know, <laughs> that's, really? that, that's, that's I, I know that's a shocker. Is, yeah, but, yeah. Um, they, they had a lot of they were taking a lot of victory laps at the time because they were able to accelerate it, and they did it during, you know, the fighting season rather in the winter when a lot of these people are literally in caves. Right. And they, exactly. You know, minor details like yeah, that. All that kind of stuff we had talked about for the transition. Uh, which they wouldn't listen to us when uh, the Biden administration came in. But the breaking news, really, the one tidbit, the one morsel, is that Biden said, get butts in seats. I want max number of refugees taken out. It didn't matter if they were vetted, not vetted, needed to leave, didn't need to leave, terrorists, not terrorists. He just wanted every airplane full. And so you remember this What sort could of, go wrong, Anthony? Yeah, what could go right. wrong? You remember this nonsensical... Um, all the, every briefing, this has been the largest airlift of, you know, uh, people since the Berlin airlift or, you know, whatever. And, and I'm like, that's utterly meaningless. It, you know, may, there might have been a few hundred people we needed to get out of there. And, you know, they're talking about 75, you know, whatever the number is, a thousand. And the, what, what, but what that did, according to the report, is it made them increase the flow of people through Abbey Gate. And Abbey Gate is where the suicide bombing happened. And so... Well, we read now that they... I mean, one of the things I saw, like, they actually had the bomber, like, a sniper had him in a crosshairs and, like, couldn't get permission to actually take him out. Right. Like, they knew. Right. And they, you know... What, which is a hallmark of the Obama administration, that 8,000-mile yeah. screwdriver to have to go up through several different levels of command for a sniper to do his job, right? 
I mean, you, you yeah. divest all of that responsibility and authority down to the lowest level. Well, it's why they took out ISIS so quickly under my father. Like, exactly. you let the war fighters fight a war. I, I, like, and I had that. I had complaints from friends, you know, before they were like, we'd have a, you know, a playing card guy. Right. You know, a very high value target. And they'd be like, he'd go into a building and we're ready and we call DC. Right. And it, you know, with the time difference, it's, you know, three o'clock in the morning. No one's in their office. They're, you know, sleeping, right. you know, comfortably in their well air conditioned homes. And by the time they got information, you know, there's now there's 50 kids playing soccer in front of the hotel or whatever they had. Right, 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 right. Like, and they just couldn't couldn't do it. To think that they had this guy in their sights mm-hmm. and some bureaucrat, yeah. you know, and like wouldn't allow it to do it. Now 13 incredible Americans are dead. And by the way, no consequence to anyone, right? No consequence. And then five minutes later, they go, you know, or I guess five hours later, we found the masterminds. <laughs> who did this? And we were able to... I mean, wait, wait, wait. You're like the guys, like, you know, I saw the Secretary of State on TV. They, they could not have seen this coming. I'm like, really? Like, right, right, right. Or right. I guess that was Lloyd Austin, right? You couldn't have seen it coming. Right. Like, well, if you... Like, what are you talking about? Like, right. everyone saw it coming. Like, my, right. I remember picking up my nine-year-old. I tell the story all the time because it's like, my picked up my nine-year-old at school that week for a father-son dinner, and it was like, he's like, hey, he's like Dad, why, why would they leave the civilians? Right. Why would they withdraw the military first? This is a nine-year-old right. at the time. Right. Like, Dad, why would we leave them, you know, eighty-six yeah. billion in equipment? Why would we leave them any equipment? I don't understand. What, you know, why did we leave them biometric scanners so they could find? He didn't know what the word biometric was. I don't want to be that guy that you know. All right, all right, my three-year-old right. talks about <laughs> nuclear proliferation right. in the Korean Peninsula. It's like, no, they didn't. Like, you're making that up. But like, right. he did. Was like, he was like, there was like the scanner stuff that they could find the people that were helping us for twenty years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have no answers. Like, these aren't serious people anymore. Right. They're and, not. They're not serious people, Don. And, and you look at this, and you got to say, what, what's going on? Well, what, what's going on is what they wanted to do. <clears throat> Think about it. Everybody was on vacation. It was August, the peak of fighting season, as you mentioned. And all of Europe is on vacation. Mm-hmm. Every NATO nation was in there in some form. And one of the things, I had calls sometimes, multiple times a week with every, you know, the major NATO nation, UK, mm-hmm. Canada, Germany, and I reassured them, we came in together, we modified together, we will leave together. And, and they, and you know, the, yeah. the, the talking points that, oh, NATO was broken under President Trump, it couldn't be further from the truth. We had tremendous relations and tremendous respect for one another. And, and so it's Biden who came in, and it gets to my point for bringing this up. They leave, they're on vacation. Remember, Blinken was in the Hamptons, and, and, and Saki was, of course he was. Uh, somewhere else. And uh, not that it would matter because he's incompetent, but the, the, um, when, when you think about all the NATO nations, what happens in Europe in August? Everybody's gone on vacation. Politicians all the way down to you know, government workers. And, so we didn't do any lateral coordination. We just left. We were just leaving. There was no, like, oh, hey, guys, we're, we thought you might want to know. Yeah, no, I feel they were equally surprised, meaning, yes. our, meaning mm-hmm. our allies and yep. the people who fought with us for 20 years and the translators. I know friends, again, they, you know, they were 
doing sort of like publicly paid, you know, or privately paid for missions yeah, yeah. to try to get some of the people who were actually helpful, yeah, yeah, you know, who yeah. they vetted over decades of being shot at. Right. But, but like, we're not going to help those people. But, you know, if you're an unvetted terrorist, yeah, you may be ISIS, <laughs> but sure, get on the plane. Yeah, yeah, Come sure. on in. Bring that like, backpack It's wonderful. I hear it ticking. It's probably fine. Right. It's probably, like, why right. take the chance? Yeah. So the, the big point here is Putin's watching all that. And he says, NATO is broken. The Americans just shafted NATO. Oh, interesting. And, and, and um, I'm going to, if, you know, most people recognize the window of opportunity by the sound of it shutting, Putin saw that window of opportunity, began a couple weeks later, moving troops into mm -hmm. Belarus, moving troops on the Ukraine border. And suddenly, we're left holding this bag in Afghanistan, and you've got the utterly incompetent Tony Blinken, you know, just not sure what to do, you know, um, and, and just, yeah. there's zero diplomacy. Yeah, so, so you guys understand, that's our Secretary of State, that's the guy that got up and did a press conference the week following, saying that he was, and I quote, shocked and dismayed right. that the Taliban <laughs> did not install a more diverse and right. inclusive government. That's not a joke. Right. That's like verbatim of what this idiot said on a world stage after 13 Marines were killed, after we embarrassed ourselves, after China sitting there salivating, yep. you know, because whatever the timeline was for taking over Taiwan, it has now been rapidly accelerated because, like, this idiot thought, like, there was even a chance. Yeah, I mean, they so, watched the so, Taliban uh, throw homosexuals uh, off of a building. So, Did they so, think there was going to be a big, like, gay uh, contingent of the Taliban that was going to have a seat at the table? It, like, let, let know, me, let maybe me. we'll have a trans, you know, the trans <laughs> movement now. I mean, they, they own everything, right? They're, right, they're the most yeah. privileged class in the world, as far as I'm concerned right now. They, like, was the Taliban going to have a big trans coalition, you know, in Afghanistan to help decide what's going on? I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me take that ante and give you, and, and, and raise it. So he made that moronic statement. Come around now to Ukraine. Um, Putin, has, there's been no diplomacy. Uh, on the eve of the invasion, how wrong did the intelligence have to be, the US intelligence community? How wrong do Blinken and Biden's instincts have to be to offer Zelensky a ride out on the eve of the invasion? Remember, Zelensky famously said, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition, yeah. right? So think about this for a second, Don. If your father had done that, if, and this would have no. never happened, no. it did no. not happen. That, you know, if people, yeah. well, what would, you know, President Trump, I, I said, you know, it didn't happen on, in the four years President Trump was, that negative has been proven. It didn't happen and it wouldn't happen. But think about how wrong they have to be and they, let me put it a different way. They offered to decapitate the Ukrainian government to assist Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, no, that so, sounds like a welcome back. Be like, hey, yeah. we'll take this guy out. There will be no leadership. Right. You guys just have Come on it. out, yeah. And, and that was their instinct. That was their very first instinct. And, and it was because, A, they're incompetent, but B, that the intelligence was really bad. If you recall, I was doing a lot of Fox and Newsmax a year ago on this. I was one of the only guys saying, look, the Russian soldiers are not 10 foot tall. This is gonna take a long time. 
you know, uh, Putin doesn't move 150,000 troops and, and decide to wrap it up in a few weeks. Uh, and everybody was saying, all the other blue check uh, generals uh, were saying, um, you know, CNN, MSNBC, oh, this is going to, you know, be, be uh, you know, 72 hour and it's going to, everybody's mm -hmm. going to be speaking Russian. And I, I said, no, it's not. And A, I've commanded Ukrainian soldiers in combat in Kosovo. And they're very good. They're very technically competent. B, one of my dearest West Point friends um, that graduated with me uh, left Wall Street in 2014 after the Maidan riots, went and joined the Ukrainian military because he's passionate about it. And he was shot and killed by, on the Russian front in 2014, Mark Pazlowski. And so they have the passion. They have the technical competence. And so the real question for me is, uh, you know, just like any border uh, incursion, uh, it, the you know international law, we probably have a role here with NATO and reinforcing NATO and making sure that nothing happens to NATO. Ukraine's not in NATO, Correct. so we we have a monitor. Uh, maybe maybe push them some stuff. I think I think from a defense perspective, the one thing that the administration has gotten right is the rotational combat brigades that have been going over there from the 101st, the 82nd, and others, 1st Armored Division, and doing what we call flexible deterrent options. And, and that shows some level of commitment. But, you, you know, adding Finland to NATO? Yeah. By the, I, way, by the way, that's what got us here to begin with. Right. Meaning we can say what we want. I'm not saying Putin's a good guy. He saw weakness, and the nature of a predator is to exploit that weakness, exactly. right? That's, yeah. The, yeah. that's a story as old as nature itself. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you, you look at Joe Biden, it only encourages your enemies to pounce on the weakness, right? Right, right. But when you started talking about Ukraine, which is a large country, landmass-wise, right. uh, you know, hundreds of miles of border, and NATO is like, Okay, fine. You know what? It's been a 50-year stalemate. Let's just add them into NATO. Right. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, we're like, are we not encroaching? Like, it, it well, just feels like. And you, if you say that, you're a Russia apologist, and I'm like, I'm not apologizing for him, but it, like, but I'm also not, you know, so intellectually either dishonest or stupid right. to say that right. like, oh yeah, no, 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 we did nothing. Like, maybe Putin was going to do it anyway, but we we feel I feel like we gave him the excuse to do it even if he wanted to. It'd be a lot harder on the world stage to do this if we weren't like, okay, we're going to let them in, and now we're doing the same in Finland. And it's like, you know, what, what do you do when you know, a megalomaniac is sort of, and an egomaniac so, so is pressured right, right. Uh, to that level? Like, yeah, yeah. You know. so, so for the record, Putin's a bad guy. He yeah. shouldn't have done this. <laughs> exactly. we, we, we need to um, make sure that, you know, he, he can't do this anymore, et cetera. Um, the, uh, you know, I've spent my career fighting evil on behalf of the United States. So, um, the, but when you think about it, adding Finland, for example, to NATO, there was no deliberation about that. We've, we've got now a commitment that if there's a border incursion in Finland, American soldiers are now going to go fight and die in Finland. Yeah. If Article 5... And Germany still won't pay their dues and, and others and Germany because, still, because Joe Biden's still, not going to make them do it like Trump Still buying did. Russian oil yeah. and, and increasing the war chest that Putin pivots into his war in Ukraine. Well, that's the one that I never understood. My father nailed that in, in my yeah. opinion. I'm saying, like, wait a minute. Like, So Germany doesn't want to pay its NATO dues. It was a big deal when Trump was like, pay it. Or we're like, Why? oh my God, Trump's threatening NATO. I'm like, no, he's just saying, like, these guys... It wasn't like he asked them to pay more... 
Right. Just just pay what you said you'd pay. Right. Exactly. Well, we've all agreed we'd pay, and that was a big deal. And then they're saying, well, we need more protection from the United States, paid for by the United States mostly, right? Which is the yeah, vast majority yeah, of NATO's yeah, budget is the U.S. Right. But we're going to simultaneously enrich the country, Russia, by buying its oil because we right. can get it for a cent cheaper than we could from say from the U.S. or other sources. But we want you to pay extra money to defend us against the people who we're yeah. enabling yeah. to do this. And it's like, I don't understand. Yeah. And when Trump basically said the same thing, oh my God, yeah, it's right. a threat to NATO. <laughs> right. This has been an alliance for yeah. 50 years. I'm like, listen, with friends like NATO, I'm like, I don't know that I need friends. Right, uh, right, right, you know, right. If they don't want to pay their well, dues, you, you, they don't You know, like, it's called tough love, Don. Yeah. Your, your father was exactly right. Um, you know, every collective security arrangement needs an alpha. And your father was the alpha in NATO because NATO for too long has been a cocktail circuit. Yes, they have supported us in the out of area mission in, in Afghanistan. Uh, they, they did great work there uh, to, to try, you know, whether it was a 30 person provincial reconstruction team like Romania had, which we left hanging, by the way, mm. all the way up to brigade combat team from Canada. That, that seems to be like a, a, a a recurring theme here, yeah. mm -hmm. leaving, yeah. our, leaving yeah. our allies hanging. Yeah, absolutely. And as they see that, I'm sure our allies like Taiwan are probably less than thrilled. Exactly. China is watching our level of lack of commitment to our, our allies. And, and so what you really have is uh, a international geopolitical stage where China has made the calculation, let me come in and from an information diplomatic operation point of view, do a big meeting with Putin and yeah. and, and uh, promise to financially backstop them. Think about Russia running low on troops, running low yeah. on, on money with China's massive economic engine backstopping them. And, and listen, I'd say Russia's a, I'd say it's an underperformance. Right. I mean, yeah, listen, yeah. You, you were right in that you said, hey, it's not going to be over that quickly, but I mean, I think it's probably one of the gross underperformances, perhaps, of military history. Yeah, perhaps. Meaning, uh, Other than yeah, our yeah. Afghanistan withdrawal. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, no, listen, people in glass houses, I understand. But, like, uh, but, you know, I think people said, hey, maybe it wasn't days, but months. Right. You know, here right. we are a year and change later. And, yeah. you know, now the news is also a little biased. Like, I, I don't think that Russia's actually losing. You know, right. every time that, like, a Russian tank is, like, hit by one of our missiles paid for by the U.S. taxpayer, it's like, uh, Ukraine is advancing, on, you know, but then every time Russia takes over an entire town, it's like, well, it's not really strategically significant. Like, right, right, you know, right, the right. PSYOP of the media response to this stuff isn't. So I don't think, you, you know, Putin's winning. It's taking him a lot longer than anyone imagined. I think he's got some egg on his face, given what sort of the world thought of the Russian military and their abilities. But the China component changes all of it, that. It, it changes the calculus. Think about how Reagan uh, built up our military to drive the Soviet Union into the ground for, yeah. economically. Think about if we get myopically focused on Ukraine and pouring money, pouring money, pouring money, and China's just sitting there. There's no side. if, yeah, Tony. Right, like we're, right. we, we've already we've already done that. We're, right, we, you know, right. to the tune of 130 billion dollars. Right, and. and so what does it mean to our economic coffers, our military equipment, if we continue to do this with Ukraine and, you know, uh, Russia's just got an open checkbook with China. Is that a reverse Reagan on, on us now? Are we going to... Well, it certainly yeah, feels like it, right? Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, China has expanded all over the world. Right. Right. They own, they own every 
precious metal mine in a, mm -hmm. you know, and rare earth mineral mine in sub-Saharan Africa. Right. I'm sure they care very much about the environmental standards and child slave labor used to mine these things. They're, they're very cognizant of it, you know. Right. Our ESG scores don't count that stuff against <laughs> Apple and others because, right. you know, they subcontract it out. So it doesn't, right. you know, they, right, didn't, right, they didn't pull right. the trigger themselves even if it's right. Right. pulling the trigger, right? But China's expanded their influence in Latin America whether it be through telecom or other, again, mm -hmm. oil and gas and all these things. Like, you know, talk about the threat of mm -hmm. China, because again, we think of it, oh, it's just economic and there's maybe some military, but it's so much more pervasive than even I think the average person who understands they're by far the biggest threat we face today uh, could ever even imagine. It, your, your father, um, the president, absolutely nailed this. Uh, there wasn't a day as the undersecretary they went by that I wasn't, uh, making some decision or recommendation relative to China's uh, uh, Belt and Road strategy, um, the the you know Huawei comes in mm -hmm. to Africa, uh, they refit you know some some countries telecoms, they uh, Chinese build a bridge, get the country in debt to them, and then they come in with their military training, and all of a sudden they have pervasively integrated themselves into this country, and. One of the last things I did as undersecretary is I went to several different countries, Africa, uh, Southwest Asia, Indian Ocean, and, and they were all areas where Africa or uh, China is trying to build ports. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Equatorial Guinea, you know, they are getting big bucks, you know, the west coast of yeah. Africa. And, and briefcases of cash, briefcases right? Let, let's not cash. pretend they're doing right. this above board, right? right. I mean, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's and then... Um, uh, Mozambique was another area. The Maldives, another area, and and it, it's you know. What's in the Maldives? Is it just strategic? It, it's ocean, it's in like, the Indian Ocean, eleven hundred. Um, I mean, I, I think of islands. it as like a resort, you know, yeah. chain of islands. That, but I guess it's just proximity to the so Middle East. And you come out of the Persian Gulf, you come out of the Malaccan Strait above Indonesia, and there's the Maldives. So yeah. um, China is wants to. The secretary asked me to go there, and. And China wants to build a base, of a huge naval base there. And it, it's kind of like Diego Garcia is to us. We have a bomber fleet down in Diego Garcia to do mm -hmm. operations you know, from the Indian Ocean up into Southwest Asia. They, you know, China is very seriously. I talked to the Prime Minister of Maldives for two days, and, and she you know, uh, is very concerned. She's very Western-leaning, but she says that China's coming in here with all this money. And you know, it's I, I got a yeah. very poor population. You know, I'm not sure what to do. And and I, you know, we signed an agreement with with her and the Maldives and and with Mozambique and with Equatorial Guinea and with Morocco and everywhere to try to counter Chinese influence, making uh, commitments and promises that we would uh, work together and in, in teamwork as a, as a partner, if not an ally. But you know, that that notion, especially when you see sort of the the flip flopping. In our political system, when you see right. the actual way we treat a lot of our allies, yeah, certainly probably doesn't outweigh the again briefcase of cash and and promises well, that well, China, it, I don't think that China's been a good ally to the general people of a population. You mentioned Mozambique. I imagine the average person in Mozambique is probably suffering because of China's incursion. But the people at the top and the people who make the power and yeah. you know they're 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 driving Bentleys right now, right? Uh, uh, and, absolutely. You know. No one will talk about what's actually going on there, but you know, talk about the th what the threat means to the U.S. Uh, now, as you see that incursion go further into Latin America and, mm -hmm. and otherwise. I mean, they're getting 
they're right up on our borders. Yeah, they they are Latin America, Central America, Panama Canal. Uh, they're you know working with uh, Venezuela, you know, uh, everywhere in South America. Um, the 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 Chinese strategy is one to just plant all these seeds everywhere, see what takes root, continue to nourish it, and uh, become uh, you know. Uh, achieve global hegemony mm -hmm. and encounter the U.S. And we're getting really near that tipping point, Don. I really think that from from uh, uh, where we are today, remember uh, Obama uh, used to have the strategy that a weaker America made for uh, a better world. Uh, he, he, that was that was no, his strategy, his that. apology tour. He yeah. thought we were too aggressive. And, and so you have the same people running uh, Biden and putting the, you know, the talking points in front of Biden. And so this, uh, why, why else would we not be energy independent? Mm -hmm. uh, why else would we um, you know, do what we're doing to our military where we can't meet our recruiting goals? Why else would we be doing You mean what drag queen story hour at Fort Bragg isn't a great <laughs> yeah, recruitment yeah. tool for the, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't there when yeah. I was there, but. Um, uh, what, what would have happened if you were there in this time? But like, Listen, there's guys that were like you that are in the, you know, I, I understand there's the woke generals that want to become, you know, get on the board of Disney. That's their retirement plan. I understand right, that. Right. Uh, you know, you, you've written books and become an author. Uh, you know, they, you got to do something when you get out. But how does someone who can dedicate their lives to this just go along blindly with that insanity in, in these yeah, systems? And, and again, when you, when you think about the threat of China and you're like, yeah, we're wasting our money on the drag queen story hour at Fort Bragg. Like they're taking over right. Latin America on our borders uh, while we're while we're watching it, and consequently, we can't meet our recruitment requirements because, like, a patriotic American's not going to sign up to fight for an America he doesn't understand. When right. you know, when we're told yeah. you know the trans, it's it's the you know mm -hmm. social movement of. Our generation, or you know, the, like it's like, does anyone believe this? Like, yeah, and, I, and, and I'm and I'm like fairly, let's call it progressive on the issue, because like, hey, if you're an adult and you want to chop off your journals, I don't give a shit. Like, you right. know, have at yeah, it. Like, it, it, don't it, bitch to me it, later it, when you it, when even it, when, I've said, look, like, you know, I don't care but what like, you do. Like in our military and jamming it down our throats, and then you talk right. about, you know, right. we had a, um, we had people on this show before talking about it. like uh, Ronnie Jackson was here, and, you know, mm -hmm. you know, admiral and this, and he served in the White House. He's a doctor, right. and he was like. Well, they, you know, the military recruitment, like they'll pay for your gender reassignment surgery, but when you're going through that process, you're so jacked up on hormones, they won't even let you actually fight. Right. So like they're paying for it. You get to sit on the sidelines. You check the box off. And, like I was in the military and serving my country, and like, but you weren't, and like right. you know you were, but like not really. You weren't right. gonna ever get deployed. It, it, it feels like it's just we're allowing people to game a system. While the guys we'd actually want fighting for us are like, yeah, screw that. Why would I do yeah, it? Peace out. Right. Yeah. Uh, that, it's, it's a real issue. Army, 60, 70 percent recruiting. Uh, Marines are the only one that really hit their recruiting goal. And that's because of, they did a little bit of a accounting fudge uh, where they pulled from next year's recruits to meet this year's uh, recruiting. And, 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 and that's, that's a real indicator of the sort of temperature of the country. Yeah. If you can't get and we have small military relative to yeah. you know 20 30 years ago it was certain about 50 percent of what it was and and if you can't get you know 500,000 people in the in the military uh, you know 100,000 a year is kind of what you need 
uh, out of a 330 million country, you got real issues. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a lack of leadership, it's a, lack, it's, it's a divisive uh, administration that um, pushes down these, these ideologies. I mean, I know Lloyd Austin very well. I, 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 I can tell you there's no way that, you know, uh, even though he's prophesizing it, that back in the day when he was my commander in the 82nd Airborne, it, it, you know, he never talked about any of this yeah, stuff. Well, do yeah, well, I mean, the question is, yeah. do you think he even believes it now? I, I mean, don't, I, I, I don't. You, you can he preach should, it, but like, I, 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 and I hope not, because if, if he doesn't actually believe it, then maybe there's a chance. Right. Right. You know, we, we, we can gain back some insanity. If he actually believes it and has bought the Kool-Aid, then it's, I mean, they're both terrible, right? If he doesn't believe it and he's just going along with it and like, you know, because that's the thing and that's the Disney retirement package and board right. seat and stuff like that, right. just, you know, be the woke general. Right, uh, right. You know, that's a problem too, but it's not as bad as like actually being dumb enough to believe well, he either, any of this stuff. He right? either has fully bought into it um, or he's going to continue to do so because of, of, you know, the, yeah, you, you take on that, that uh, mantle and you can't change this late in life the, uh, because you're the board seats, the Disney, yeah. the, you know, all that stuff that's, that's waiting. And, that, you know, that's clearly Blinken's game. He, he's completely uninterested in being Secretary of State, but he's totally interested in the portfolio that comes after it. Yeah, it's a, it's like yeah. doing his time to get yeah, some creds yeah. and we'll make, make some make money after that. And, right, like, right. you know, just appease the woke people because there's no consequence for going insane right. woke, but there is a consequence for being reasonable, right. even reasonable, right. Uh, right. you know, right. these days on some of these issues. Like, I don't know if we can pull it up, but we had a clip of uh, John Kirby saying there was no, and I quote, chaos uh, during the Afghan withdrawal. Can we play that? And so for all this talk of chaos, I just didn't see it, not from my perch. At one point during the evacuation, there was an aircraft taking off full of people, Americans and Afghans alike, every 48 minutes. And not one single mission was missed. So I'm sorry, I just won't buy the whole argument of chaos. Yeah, so Don, uh, I'm, I'm pretty pissed off right now. I, I saw you sh that. You should be, by the way. I, I saw uh, Kirby um, uh, take, um, completely insult the veteran community. He's lying openly on on uh, you know national TV from the White House and saying there was no you know I didn't see any chaos. You had people falling off of airplanes. Yeah. You you had you yeah. know you had uh, uh, thirteen soldiers killed and, and another two dozen uh, that lost limbs and are traumatic brain injury and uh, for the rest of their lives. That's the definition of chaos. Anybody who watched the Abbey Gate. Um, uh, tape or any of the other uh, stuff happening. You, you not even to mention that you had the Afghan special forces soldiers being executed yeah. uh, by the Taliban. That's the definition of chaos. And for him to get up there as as a Navy guy, I mean he's he's been a spin doctor all his life. He's a public affairs guy. Um, you know, never saw combat or any of that stuff. But and, and so maybe he doesn't recognize chaos, right? Um, but I, I think I think that. Uh, you know, a fair interpretation of his words are that he is, they're bold-faced lies. It's intentional to damage the veteran community. It's a, because veterans are mostly, at that time, um, great Americans that signed up to defend the country and they figure that they're on the other team. And this, this administration is 100% about you either on our team 
or you're an enemy domestically. Yeah. And, and the president has been very clear about that. He is, you know, th this military, this DOD is trying to find white nationalists within the military. And, and they're trying to politically divide the 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 military. Oh, 100. Well, you saw it with the vaccine mandates, right? Yeah, yeah. You know the the operators, you know the seals, the the fighter pilots, like the most trained. Right. You know the people that we've spent millions of dollars turning into like elite people who like they probably lean conservative. There's the guys that do it. They're the guys calling it out. Like, well, we don't care. We'll replace them with you know a trans seal. Right. Right. <laughs> like, right, right. Or, no, but it was you know you're watching them like oh my god like the most fit people in the world like that have zero chance. I'm going to say zero because statistics is basically, it would be basically zero of having any problems with COVID, but they're going to jam the vaccine mandates down their throat. And if they resist, that's the flag that, hey, they're probably, they're right. probably conservative. And yeah. we're going to do what we can to make sure that they don't have any promotion. We don't see, we saw the same thing, you know, happen in the FBI. If you actually, the agents that come up to me and say, hey, our, you know, it's disgusting what's going on. And the bureaucrats, we hate it, but like, but they also know if they say anything, they're, they're done. If, if they're yep. not gone, yep. their employment and their career is stalled out in perpetuity. I have someone very close to me. I'm not going to say who it is because yeah, there will be further <laughs> reprisals. But yeah. um, in, in the military, um, didn't uh, take the vaccine, um, you know, uh, and has been reprised against time and time and time again. He's had career opportunities taken away from him, promotions taken away from him, uh, training that he must have to get promoted taken away from him. All the while, the Army policy or military policy is that none of that will happen. But at the local level, this wokeism creeps down, and it has a very real impact on mm -hmm. individuals that just want to serve the country. Yeah. And, and you, can't, you can't have that any kind of dissent. Uh, within the ranks. You can't yeah. have people thinking about, well, maybe one day I want to start a family and I'm not so sure about this vaccine. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, we're talking about Kirby and like, we also have Kirby and, you know, Millie talking about the Afghan withdrawal, saying that the Taliban, the, the Taliban troops would, uh, would not be able to overwhelm, you know, the Afghan fighting forces. Again, I didn't serve, so I, perhaps I have no commentary. And let's just assume I know jack shit about Afghanistan, which is fine. You didn't take a lot to understand that. It feels like everyone I know that was on the ground there was like, no, man, it was a clown show. There doesn't mean there weren't some guys that could fight. I'm not saying that. But, like, there was no way that, there, that they were going to band together and actually be able to fight without us being there backstopping it. And yet, you know, they said that to us with a straight face. This comes, you know, directly from the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. I mean, are they just flagrantly lying to us at this I, point? I believe they are. I, I, I think it's all part of this uh, state message, uh, this propaganda that has to come out. You cannot break the narrative. The reason that nobody's been held accountable, there's been no head roll for, for this, is because you can't break the narrative. Everybody did great. Let's promote this guy. Let's give this guy. Yeah, it's like yeah. participation, you yeah. know, metal, yeah. you know, yeah. culture has even pervaded if, if now they, the military. If they like, fired the utterly incompetent uh, General McKenzie from CENTCOM, um, who oversaw a lot of this and laughed on TV when I asked a question about, um, you know, the dead soldiers, uh, that that would have broken the narrative that something had gone wrong. And so it's a hermetically sealed narrative. Mm -hmm. And the reason you can't have an honest vetting um, is because any any probe of this from any direction 
it, it was it was a cluster from yeah. Jump Street, and it will um, tear apart the narrative. Yeah, so, you, but you spoke about you know the the recruitment crisis, and it's very real. Mm -hmm. uh, if that's the case, and that's the mentality, how do you ever solve? Meaning, I don't I don't see any solutions that that are realistic. Not, that could not, ever, so so what not, what has to happen? Not with uh, we need a new president. We need your father. Can, okay, but fine. Yeah, so. it, I I agree. Right. But even then, right? I mean, you were there. How much and how active was DOD in the Department of Defense in like preventing my father from doing the things that he wanted to do? I know yeah, there, there, I know where there are plenty of things and plenty of guys being like, listen, they tried slow rolling on this. You know, Ronnie Jackson spoke about you know sort of the, the, the trans initiative and combating it and like yeah. how insane it was and something. And again. And you can be accepting of someone what they want to do as an adult, but like maybe don't give someone yeah. jacked up on meds and you know someone who was rated you know clinically insane a couple short years ago by by these same woke medical institutions that now have magically reversed right, that for right, no right, real right. reason other right. than uh, you know that's that's popular culture these days. Um, but DoD were very active in slow rolling mm -hmm. anything that they didn't want to do. And maybe they didn't, oh, oh, I didn't realize that. That's what you want. You didn't realize it. Like we had the conversation six times. It's like another so, week goes by, another week goes by. We'll pass it to an underling. They'll slow roll. So, we'll so slow roll. I, I, I got so much to say about this, Don. I appreciate the question. The, 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 the establishment, when your father won, you know, who, who didn't support your father, um, jumped across the threshold and said, okay, great jobs for all of us, right? And so good people that supported your father. You know, I've been Secretary of Transportation within the state of North Carolina working for a governor, and I understand, um, and, and of course working for your father, how important it is to have people that are aligned with the vision that you have for the America First yeah. vision for the country. What, what happened is some of these people got in these jobs and they didn't agree with the president, and so they they began unelected bureaucrats. Unelected bureaucrats, and this this book, Total Empire, is all about that that uh, uh, operator versus unelected bureaucrat telling them what to do. Tension, but the uh, you know at the end of the day, what 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 we had a good example is when I came. I came in in the last year of your father's administration, and I had helped in North Carolina yeah. in twenty. Well, and they also tried to slow roll you, and they tried to prevent you from getting any kind of thing, and yeah. eventually they had to sort of put you in as acting. Right. Because right. the bureaucrats wouldn't right. confirm. Right, right. You know, it doesn't matter if you led the 101st Airborne or the right. 82nd right. Airborne or the 10th Mountain Division and served there for 30 and, years. Like, none of that matters. Like, he actually agrees with Trump. Therefore, <laughs> yeah. maybe he'd be effective. Yeah, and right. therefore, we must do whatever we can Let's define to subvert him. Anthony Tata's, you know, nominations. Right. Or let's, his ability to access the president, or anything, right? I mean, let, it, let's it, define him by his worst moment instead of all the great moments that he's had in his life, and that's where we yeah. are in this culture today. Uh, but you know, when I finally did get in there, um, uh, uh, I, I was brought this document to sign, and I'm reading this document, and uh, it was about the Iran nuclear deal. And as I read it, I called the team in, and I said. This leaves open a path to doing the Iran nuclear deal. Oh, that's right, sir. I'm like, the president does has said we don't yeah. want the Iran nuclear deal. That that yeah. it's done. We it's disagree. Over. Yeah, yeah. And, and and they're like, yeah, but you know this, you know, we, we we need to have this. I'm like, no, we don't. Rewrite this and make it say that this thing is over. That this is done. That's a good example. And these were senior officials, assistant secretaries of defense, yeah. that reported to me, and and I'm like. Jesus, 
this is what's happening in, in DOD. And I, I mean, it's just, it's literally that, that bureaucracy, which trends liberal anyway, the, the, the fact that they had the chutzpah to think that they had the power, the authority to do their own foreign policy. Correct. Yeah. Counter to what your father, President Trump, wanted done. And he had exactly the right instincts on, on all of this stuff. And, and so it's crazy to me that um, we got as much done as we did. Yeah. That we did as well. Great. I always say that. I'm like, listen, you look at his accomplishments, you got to understand, it wasn't just like Republican versus Democrat. Like, almost all of D.C. was working against him, even, even the people yeah. supposedly on, on our side. Because, again, you know, well, once, once Trump is gone, it's going to go back to the regular bureaucracy, and I can't, you know, I got to right. keep my. I got to keep my toes in both pools, right? Um, right. And, and so that was very clear. And I may, maybe that's perhaps the most powerful aspect of Trump twenty twenty four, which is like he's not trying to get reelected, right? There's there's one there's one four year term to right. just to burn it all down to the ground, and I think you almost have to do that if you ever want to get rid of the woke shit in the military to eventually meet your recruiting requirements. Yeah, if you I, want to actually be, uh, you know, a threat to China rather than like you know they're watching us like laughing. I mean, it, it's literally, we're a caricature of ourselves right? Um, at, at this point when you see the stuff that they're talking about and the things that they're out there saying that matter, even if they're only pretending, right. it's still lunacy, right? you know, and, and yet it happens. So I want to ask you about this one because, you know, there's, there's talk, and my father said about you know, using the military to go after the Mexican drug cartels and, you know, that the fentanyl crisis is as clear and present a danger to the United States as probably anything, certainly far more of a threat than Russia. Right. Uh, you know, meaning unless we instigate them into nuclear war, but if we, if we weren't doing that, yes, they have a big nuclear arsenal, but it's not killing tens of thousands of Americans every year. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And, and how do you do it? Because you, you're even talking about it and, you know, the DC, oh my God, it's a sovereign nation. Like these are people killing, you know. Yeah, yeah. These are people literally killing and maiming our children daily, making billions. Right. You know, they they've subverted their own governments. They're they're taking on like they're going after Mexican police forces and their own military. Like right. I mean, there's a way to do this without exactly. invading a sovereign nation. Right. It's, like come well, on. They, well, they 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 could be a partner. We could have DHS, DOD and the Mexican versions of those two entities working together jointly on the border like we do any border operation. I've run border operations in Kosovo and Afghanistan. You, you pick the third world country that I've been deployed to. You've got to work with the other governments. And, and it's, it's border does operations. That, does that still work in Mexico though? Meaning, you know, obviously, you know, the cartels, everyone's on the payroll, right? Right. Uh, well, do, do, you know, is there a level where you know, is it past the brink down there where, you know, the real de facto rulers of the country are actually the cartels? And right. so you can work with the military, but it's, it's, it's not going to really be effective because there, someone's going to be giving the information to someone. I mean, does there come a point where you say, hey, guys, you got to let us do what we're going to do. We're going to help you. Uh, yeah, right. And, I, and if they say no, doesn't it tell you everything you need to know? It does tell you everything you need to know. And I think the, the way you approach it is like, any any counterinsurgency, your intelligence has to inform your actions, and so um, you're, you make very good points. And like, how deep is the corruption? Is the president corrupt? Is the, are the generals in the military tied to? 
the cartels? What do we actually know? How do we build that sort of spider web diagram of that link diagram of who's connected to who? And then who are the high value targets that we need? It's like yeah. Al Qaeda or whatever. Who are the high value targets that we need to um, you know, take out of the picture? And and begin begin some surgical joint operations with, you know, uh, some sequestered Mexican special forces and U.S. special forces, and and go in there with the right kind of support to do the job and begin to show the cartel that uh, there's there's actually a new new sheriff in town. Interesting. I mean, you know, does the same apply elsewhere around the world as we start seeing these things? I mean, how? You know, obviously that threat of the cartel is so important. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm like the last person wanting to wage sort of the never-ending wars, but that one actually feels like uh, one that's worth fighting for. I mean, when I, you know, talk about sort of U.S. foreign policy, because it's sort of interesting, you know, Trump was the guy that was going to start World War III, and Trump was going to get us into all of these conflicts, and it was going to be nuclear Armageddon because of Donald Trump, and yet... He's like the only guy out there with a platform that's actually being like, I don't want any wars. Like, yeah, let's, yeah. like and, and if we are going to get into a war, like, let there be an objective. At least the drug cartel one, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that's a war that sort of makes sense. It's actually going to save Americans, right? Uh, which doesn't seem to be the end result of 99% of what we're doing militarily these days. Yeah, so uh, think about, uh, let's, let's just pick North Korea, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, your, your father comes in, you know, they've been... Yeah. They've been testing nukes under Obama. Um, they tested one under your father, and, and he began the information campaign with Little Rocket Man. Uh, as, you know, got a meeting. You know, stepped into North Korea. All of that, and it, you know, w whatever your dad did, he was going to be criticized, right? But the genius of that was he developed an open line of communication right. with Kim Jong Un. Yep. Uh, who, you know, had been a black box up until that point, essentially. Yeah. And and the human-to-human -human contact, I don't care yeah. uh, who, who it is. It's easy to, you know, argue with somebody's online avatar, but it's hard to be, sit down in person, and this is my criticism on Blinken and not getting in, the, in, in there with Putin or Biden. And it, your father understood the importance of transparency between nations that could potentially go to war. And so whether it was the uh, Helsinki meeting or, or, or with Putin or, or meeting with Kim Jong-un, your father understood G down in uh, you know, uh, Palm Beach, uh, he understood the importance of that dialogue and he, mm -hmm. and he has great instincts and ability to make that connection. And, and of course, it all gets reinterpreted by the 98% of the press that hates him, right? Oh yeah, well listen, I remember, it. I remember that as it was going on, it was like, Trump's doing it all wrong in North Korea. I go, well, why? Like, what? Well, like, yeah. why? Well, they, like, they, I, they never well, tested another I've, nuke. <laughs> I've been leading the delegation for 27 years. And I'm like, well, like, That's what have you accomplished? Right, right, right. How, how dare you? You right. question my credentials. Like, no, no, no. Like, have you had a meeting with, like, the guy? Right, right. I don't know. You, no, right. Like, have you, like, so you've been doing the same thing for 27, whatever the hell it was, 40 years. You've achieved nothing. No objective success, and someone comes in and changes that playbook, and he's doing it all wrong. It's like I'd argue that you've been doing it all wrong. Right, and, right. You know, in D.C., it's easy to become an expert and remain an expert, even if you're wrong for 30 years. 
we, we got to break that. The, the key point that you point out is the guy's been doing it for 27 years. He's had the power, the access, the money, the influence. And nothing. And, and he loves that. Yeah. That, that's all he cares about. Yeah. He's he, invited he, to the cocktail party yeah, and someone kisses yeah. his ass because they think he's yeah, got some power yeah. in North Korea, yeah. whereas and North Korea has never even heard of the That's clown. the unelected bureaucrat piece that, yeah. that, you know, those perks, that largesse is what they thrive off of. It doesn't matter what happens or whether or not they actually accomplish something. As long as they maintain that status, that's what they care about for the most part. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about that a little bit, right? Joe Biden has been mocked in Washington, D.C. for decades in terms of being like I mean, Robert Gates, like Obama's own guy uh, during the election was like, listen, Joe Biden's been wrong on literally every single foreign policy issue in the history of right. his you know, hundreds of years in Washington, D.C. Uh, I wrote about it actually in my in my book, Liberal Privilege, because it's it, it's so flagrant. And yet. Now we're soft on China, and no one seems to be saying anything about it. Like, mm -hmm. now, the, like where can these policies go? How do we change that aspect? Because it seems like it's like the perfect confluence of like incompetence and corruption. Yeah, I think, and, I think, and when you look at the, you know, if you follow the money, uh, that'd be pretty clear. I know if it was me, uh, you know, as, as a Biden mm -hmm. doing the things that Hunter did, and my family doing the things that the Biden family did, because it's not just Hunter. Uh, there'd be a problem, and people would be asking the question, and they'd be talking about it, and yet there's crickets from... Yeah, we'd be raided right now if uh, you had done what, what Hunter did. I mean, yeah. it's insane. You, you know, uh, you, you look at uh, your family and everybody, upstanding citizen, you know, great, great Americans. You look at what, what's happened with Hunter and, and, and Ashley. Um, uh, there, there's some real issues there, and I'm interested in Comer's investigation that's happening in the House. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that there, it bears some fruit. I'm hoping that... Uh, well, it's there. It's a question of whether the Republicans will push it hard that, enough. That, that's what will they will they allow themselves to be slow rolled? Yeah, no, uh, you know, mean, they're hoping. You know, hey, we can drag this out another eighteen months, and we'll be in an election cycle. Maybe we get back to the house, and we don't have to answer any what, of these what, questions what or I follow up we, on any of these. I, I, we don't play the way they play. I, exactly, and and I'm I'm wondering if McCarthy is going to impeach Biden over this issue, which it's very impeachable. Uh, they got to get the right issue. And I, I think McCarthy, you know, needs to live up to his promise that he's going to take it to the president. And and until we start fighting back that way, because we get our our jockstrap handed to us every single time on these mm -hmm. kinds of issues. And 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 it's yeah. By the way, we'd actually end a lot of the problems, you know, like that if the left actually thought we had the teeth. Exactly. Right? I mean, yeah. if they actually thought we would do these things and do the, whether it's like my father's indictment this last week, right? Right, uh, right. Any of these things, if they actually thought we'd play the same game, right? I think it would prevent like the vast majority of it. Right. Uh, you know, even though, you know, understand they got the help of big tech and they got the bias from there and the bias from the mainstream media, fine. But if they actually thought that like Republicans would fight back with teeth, it would probably end 99% of the nonsense. But as long as like, you know, we're playing t-ball uh, while they're playing fast-pitch hardball. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, like of course they're going to keep doing it. Yeah. Of course they're going to take yeah. the win. Why wouldn't they? They, yeah. they believe these are you know principled people. They're communists. Like, right. they're, of course they're going to do this. It's all about power. And 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 you know, initially when when I was watching uh, McCarthy being put through the ringer there on the, the multiple votes, I was like, come on, let's we got to show some teamwork. And then about the fifth time, I I really looked at him like. You know what? We need to make sure that he's going to do what yeah. what what he he says he's going to do. And I th but I, listen, it, it, 
balls and strikes. Like I think he's actually doing a lot of that now. I, I, I you know, now we got to see it. And again, yeah. it, it, it's not just one guy, right? Yeah, right? We do have to exercise the power of the purse because you know we have powers that we don't have. We have a four seat majority in Congress. We don't have the Senate. We don't have the White House. Like we're not passing lots of legislation right, right now. Right. But we can function as a blocker to a lot of the insanity. Right. Uh, we can use you know that subpoena power. And so you also need the other Republicans to be willing to go along with That's it. Right. And again, there's probably no one better, you know, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory than, you know, a Republican that gets harassed by, you know, yeah. the mainstream Washington D.C. press, who's yeah. functioning as the marketing department of the other side. Yeah. But you know, it's an easy existence to be a weak Republican in D.C. It's it's right. not so easy if you're actually a fighter. Right. Exactly. You keep your job. You got that power. You got that supposed influence. But if you're a fighter, they come after you. I mean, you know. Two and a half years ago, whatever it was, they came after me. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, they talk about they, that. They, they, uh, you know, here I am, Don, uh, a public servant all my life, 28 year career in the military, uh, had all the right jobs to do the undersecretary policy job. I, I then, being the public servant I am, got out and I, I was the chief operating officer, of Washington D.C. public schools, one of our most troubled school systems, because I wanted to help the underserved community. And, and you know you have about 78 percent of that community that is is low income and mm -hmm. and I did that for two years got recruited by Wake County Public School System the 15th largest system in the country 150,000 students 18,000 employees 170 schools to come be their superintendent and that, you know from a career standpoint that was uh, the you know uh, epitome of, of my life I was able to take all my military training, all my leadership training, and then come in and, and lead uh, from the front, as I always did in combat, and go into every classroom, go into every school. I was in all 170 schools in the first 180 school days of the year, and I was a present figure, and we made significant changes. I can walk down the streets of Raleigh today, people stop me and say, Mr. Tata, thank you for creating that leadership school for young men. Thank you for creating that leadership school for young women. I got a text the other day, the leadership academies that we created that have a public service curriculum scored 10 points higher than any other school in the state of North Carolina on proficiency and graduation rates. And, and so the change that you can make in education uh, despite all of the, mm -hmm. um, you know, liberal agendas being infused in there are huge. And so that was, and then the governor um, uh, appointed me as the Secretary of Transportation. But what happened in the school system, the board flipped from 5-4 Republican to 5-4 Democrat. Six months later, after campaigning that they loved me, the Democrats, because because yeah. I was popular in the community, yeah. I, had, I had an 82% approval rate. That's unheard of in politics. Yeah, just yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I didn't poll myself. That was a WRAL poll and, and a Triangle Business Journal. And, and uh, so uh, they exercise a buyout clause. And I, and I had just done a state of the school speech. We had the best year in the history of White County Public Schools. Democrats didn't care about the students. What they cared about was a rising political um, conservative, which I, in I wasn't in a academia, I, yeah. I was a uh, I was a registered independent because I understood the, you yeah. know, I needed to be straddle on fence. I stopped all my Fox News, CNN stuff, and, and I was doing about equal amount of both. But of course they said, oh, Tato's a Fox News guy. And I, I shut down, I shut, stopped writing, and, and 
you know, I dedicated myself to this. Mm -hmm. And they had to get rid of me because I was becoming too popular. And so the governor makes me the Secretary of Transportation, which I got all over the state, had a $4 billion budget, and we made very positive changes in two and a half years. And I, I look at this guy, Buttigieg, and I'm like, this guy, this clown uh, has no so. idea. Uh, you know, we have these supply chain issues. We have well, he's a, he's a check box. Yeah, he's a you know, box like, check. hey, we gotta, you know, we gotta give him that. Like, it, yeah, it's right. it's why he got to run for president. Like, it's right. not like he had actual accomplishments that yeah. like he could really run on. Like, that guy's gonna be president. Like, well, of course he is because he checks right. the you know a couple of boxes. But that's about the extent of it. Yeah. So, 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 so that you, then I, you I, go I, and you start working in Trump, and then they're gonna just go. All so, out. so I have this you know resume for military, education, transportation, understanding the, the holistic nature of our society. And I get asked, you know, three years into it to come work for your father. And I, it, instantly, it was just like, let's rip this guy to shreds. And, yeah. and, and your dad told me, and, and your dad- <laughs> Oh, he, he knew, he was like, hey, listen, yeah. hey, hey, you've hey, seen hey, combat, you right, may right, see right. something <laughs> slightly worse, hey, amazingly but, enough. But you know, your father um, stood by me and I went in in mid-December after the election, uh, and I, I just went into the Oval Office and sat down with him. I said, you know, thank you so much for- So talk about it. I mean, any, any standout moments? I mean, obviously that's one of them, right? Cause, yeah. You know. Well, you know, when I interviewed for the job, it was me, your father behind the Resolute Desk, uh, Mark Esper and uh, uh, Robert O'Brien, and then John McEntee mm -hmm. in, in the Oval Office. Um, 30, 45 minutes uh, question, your father walking me around the world, asking me very detailed questions about what my policy position might be. Mm -hmm. And of course, I had been commentating um, yeah. on TV for three years fairly about your, and, and, and fairly consistently. And, and I believe in the America First agenda. I believe in what your father was trying to do for us from a foreign policy perspective and, and domestically, but you know, my role being defense. and. Um, you know, uh, I I was able to have a really good conversation with him, mm -hmm. and and his level of detail and ability to you know um, educate me was was very impressive. He understood everything about the questions he was asking, and we actually had a conversation about it. And at the end, he, he turns to Mark Esper and says, "You know, if you don't make him." Uh, undersecretary, I'm going to, you know, make him ambassador. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know, it, it was kind of a hitty moment to be um, in the Oval Office with your father. Yeah. And, and every interaction I've had with President Trump has been, he's been nothing but a gentleman, nothing but uh, respectful. I, all this stuff I see out there. I yeah, just, careful, you're going to destroy his reputation. Yeah, it, right. But right. yeah, no, that's, the, that's what they're, yeah. yeah, they'll say, they'll tell you the opposite all day long. And I guess yeah. with anything else that we've been watching for the last few yeah, years, right, you should right. probably understand like what they're telling you is probably right. inaccurate. Yeah, uh, not well, just exaggerated, oftentimes exactly the opposite. Yeah, exactly the opposite. That's what I was going to say. So how'd you, how'd you get into writing? Uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting one. And uh, so, so, Don, uh, I, Total Empire is my 15th book. Um, as a kid, I was a jock. I was a decent student. And my dad, I, I was 12, he says, and my dad was a high school football coach. Both my parents were teachers. And, and he says, so kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to be a fiction novelist. You know, I, I used to read all the time. And he says, you got to put food on the table, you know. And he's the son of an Italian immigrant bricklayer, yeah. right? Um, so um, 
uh, I just started writing. It was one of these things. I was a big reader, and I said, why am I consuming entertainment when I could be producing entertainment? And it was kind of this epiphany moment. I was watching TV when I was a young lieutenant in the Army, and I'm like, I always said I wanted to be a, a writer. Why am I just sitting here watching TV? Uh, why don't I produce entertainment? And so, so when did you start that? Um, in mid-90s, and then... Uh -huh. um, I, you know, my first book is not even public. I never even submitted it. Um, and uh, so I had like three books by about um, 2007. Um, I, you know, I just was very private about it. Yeah. It was a way of me releasing stress and escaping into a different world. And, you know, some people play guitar. Some people yeah. go woodwork in their garage. I would go write and as a way of just processing. And in 2008, a Delta Force friend of mine, um, uh, you know, quick story, I, I had come back from Bosnia. I was crashing at his house before taking command in the 82nd Airborne, and I had a floppy disk, and uh, this is 97, and um, it was going bad, and so I had to save it on his computer in the room I was staying in at his house. Rob Hobart's his name, great American. And um, the title of the book was Rogue Threat. And so he, I, I go away for like two days of training and I come back and I have a new floppy disk and I'm gonna download it from the thing, but it's not there. It's not on the hard drive. I'm like, hey Rob, did you delete some stuff? Oh, he, goes, he, goes, <laughs> yeah. he goes, yeah, I found this virus called Rogue Threat and, and I deleted it. And, you know, it was, I, I was concerned it was gonna mess up my computer. I'm like, Rob, that was a book I was writing. You know, I had added like 40 pages since I'd been there. And, and you know the deal, like 40 oh, yeah, pages. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and that was the day where like there wasn't real backup. It wasn't <laughs> right, like, you know, right. backing up yeah, on the cloud simultaneously. No <laughs> like when, if you lost that disc, yeah, you were it, shit out of luck. Like right. there's, there's nothing else. Yeah, and, and, Unfortunately, like, I remember this. And he I hope felt, he's messing with you. He No, he wasn't. He wasn't and, even and, messing with you. Oh, and, God. And like, so, this he, wasn't like he, a great troll. It was just like. I said, Rob, that was a book I was writing. He gets ashen. And so fast forward a few years and he retires and he's on an airplane and he's sitting next to a guy named Brad Thor. Brad is a big thriller writer yeah, in this I've industry. And, and um, uh, light bulb goes off in Rob's head. He calls me and he says, I have a path to redemption. Um, I'm going to introduce you over dinner in Chicago to Brad Thor. You got to get your butt up to Chicago. And the rest is history. Brad connected me to a publisher and they took the three books I had. And you know, then now I'm with St. Martin's Press, which you know, massive. Yeah, uh, right. And and you know, one of the things that I often think about is like, uh, you know, uh, my my editor Mark Resnick is an awesome guy. The team at St. Martin's is awesome. And so like, who who is our the view or the you know who the the book uh, promotion people? And and I you know I yeah. really appreciate you having me on to talk about foreign policy. You can see how yeah. passionate I am about our even school systems and, and about my, my writing career because it's Well, it's so interesting because I'd mean, be curious actually, you know, you know, writing fiction versus nonfiction. I, you right. know, I, I wrote a New York Times bestseller myself, you know, called Triggered, you know, published that. And then, you know, we started getting in that world and, you know, guys coming up to me like, wow, you're the, like the most, like, we spent more time with you than any writer. Like, I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, a lot of the books of people writing their books, like they, they speak to someone for a couple hours and like literally we hand them a book, they sign off on it and right. you know, maybe do a book tour. Uh, and, and so it was interesting, but I also started seeing you know, in, in my world and sort of, you know, uh, you know nonfiction uh, writing about politics, very biased in publishing. Right. Uh, I, I, I have friends that are congressmen and senators and you know other pundits who had books either canceled or just 
so whitewashed mm-hmm. down by right. you know sort of liberal editors. I actually started my own publishing company, like we're mm-hmm. you know, publishing books of some of those same people that were so censored. Like I have people where they bought the book, paid the upfront, and just wouldn't publish the book. They just say, mm-hmm. "Hey, we'll take the loss. We're not going to put this out there." And this wasn't like crazy, right? You know, stuff. This was like mainstream conservative thought. And so, you know, it's interesting. So it's it's good to see that maybe. You know, someone like yourself hasn't necessarily been affected like that as long as you're still writing, you know, fiction. Yeah, uh, so, so it's interesting. The team at St. Martin's, Mark Resnick uh, and, and his staff, my editor, 100% supportive, gave me a new deal after I left the administration. Um, they, they, they have been nothing, at Macmillan, St. Martin's Press, nothing but supportive of me. Uh, where where it gets a little dicey is on the film and TV side. You know, I had a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, very, hey, I, and I, that's I, where the real I, money I, is, right? I, like, I, I, yeah. publishing a book is fine. You can yeah. do okay, but yeah. it's not like you, you know. Yeah. You, yeah. And, and I mean, I you know, I have uh, nothing but good stuff to say about Macmillan, Sam Martin's. The the um, I, I've been sort of in the mill with uh, four or five different producers, uh, filmmakers. And all of that, and the deals just you know kind of once 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 I got into the once mall, they Google you, right, uh, exactly. Google does its thing. You're the worst human <laughs> yeah, being yeah, in the right, world. Yeah. You're a conspiracy and, theorist. And so my you're question a... is, like, we have Amanda Milius and we have some others, but who are where is the conservative Hollywood? How are we going to as as half the country um, going to you know support our own? So that the, well, you got to listen. You know it. it I, I've almost given up, and yet you see, you know, Top Gun Maverick, like, right. you know, sells, right. you know, more than any movie combined. There was another movie that I didn't even see. Like, I almost refused to give my business either way at this point. But, like, I did see Top Gun Maverick. That was great. You know, it still had some of the woke stuff. And, yeah, you know, right. But, like, right. not, it wasn't so bad that it was jammed down your throat. Exactly. I mean, exactly. You know, there's clear casting decisions like that that probably are an exemplary. But, like, whatever. Uh, I thought it was great. And so did the rest of America. So hopefully they just learn that eventually they got to do it. I just hope it's not, you know, like like so much of woke corporate, which is like, okay, you can be this way. We're happy to take your money, and then we're going to take your money and use it to push an agenda that you couldn't stand right. for people who right. hate your guts. And so, you know, there's a happy medium. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure it's happening in Hollywood yet. Like like I said, they always tell us to build our own. That's why I started, you know, winning team publishing or publishing Marjorie Taylor Greene's book, mm. publishing Carrie Lake's book, oh, Judge Janine, like right. my father's stuff, because it'd be hard to get it done any other way. Right. And so, you know, we, we got to do this. So hopefully there's someone, you know, that can, you know, Hollywood's a big one to crack. Uh, publishing is, but, you know, when you have sort of a platform to be able to push it, right. perhaps a little bit easier. It's a much smaller beast. Right. Um, so ho- hopefully someone approaches that and attacks it the same way. And, you know, yeah. we, we, can, we can get that fair shot. But we ain't getting it from Hollywood right. uh, currently. So, you know, I, I do my best to not support them. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Total Empire to me is... Um, you know, it's a second book in a series. You've got General Garrett Sinclair, who represents all the, you know, patriotic values in, in America, and he leads Dagger Task Force, which is responsive to the president, and has to go on a mission to find his goddaughter in, in uh, Morocco and, and Mauritania, Africa, after her father was killed, who happens to be a sergeant major. And, and, it, and it pits an operator against the unelected bureaucrats and it's and it's the theme sounds of, uh, kind of yeah. what we've been talking about and that uh, the the operators on the ground where my heart really is and and the people that want to employ the 8,000 mile screwdriver to 
micromanage to protect mm -hmm. their own careers. It has nothing to do with the troops on the ground. And, that, and that's really the essence of, of the story. Um, and Chasing the Lion was the first book in the uh, series. And, and it's, you know, Garrett Sinclair, Fort Bragg based, uh, and and his and his team and um, I, I I enjoy this process of writing and creating. I just turned in book three awesome. uh, in the series uh, to Mark Resnick, my editor at St. Martin's, and cool. uh, writing to me is a great uh, uh, creative uh, endeavor. I love that. Well, guys, go check it out. I assume available where Anywhere. everything's available. Yeah, audio, Kindle, ebook, um, hardcover. Uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any bookstore in the world. So, well, General, thank you very um, much. Thank you so much, guys. Go check out the book. Uh, I think you'll like it. Uh, it's just awesome to see that there's still people like you that exist that are willing to speak out. Because yeah. again, I, I know there's plenty of you that exist that have the military background or upset with what's going on. Uh, there's far fewer that are willing to speak out. So, thank you very much, guys. Appreciate you. Uh, go check out the books again and. Uh, We'll have to talk again as we yeah. <laughs> approach closer and closer to the brink of war every day. It's yeah, a, yeah. It sounds crazy, but I, I unfortunately right we got to do road, it. So, yeah. Yeah, so. We'll, we'll, we'll have you back. Thank you very right. much, Adam. Thanks, Don. Appreciate it. Guys, thank you again. I hope you had an awesome Easter weekend. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do um, locals tonight, unfortunately. i got to go catch an airplane, uh, part of the day job. But I do want to make sure that I thank our sponsors, Patriot Mobile, uh, for everything that you do, support the companies that support you. Patriot Mobile provides dependable wireless service at affordable prices, and they put their dollars into action, donating a portion of every dollar to support groups that fight for the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the sanctity of life, and protecting our incredible and brave police and first responders. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Don Jr. You're going to have a cell phone anyway. Uh, you might as well have yours with Patriot Mobile where they'll take your hard-earned money and actually spend it on the things that you believe rather than everyone else who has clearly taken your money for decades and weaponized it against you. So that's patriotmobile.com slash D-O-N-J-R uh, for free activation. And also make sure to go check out Gold Co. Diversify your portfolio, folks. Don't get stuck in the insanity, you're seeing the warnings, the banks are collapsing, the stock market's going crazy, the decisions that are being made are asinine. Go to donjuniorgold.com, check them out, learn more about it, but protect yourself from the insanity. So to go to donjrgold.com to learn more. I appreciate you guys. Make sure you're passing this stuff on to your friends so that they can see it because we know you know, let's just say big tech, big social, all those, they ain't going to be spreading this word, but we do need people to see these things. We need people to understand exactly what's going on. So please do that. Thank you for everything that you guys do. You guys are the best. I hope you all had incredible Easter weekend, uh, celebrating our holiest holidays with your families. Uh, that's number one. So I hope that was awesome. Uh, and we'll see you back here again on Thursday. God bless.